when it got to the point where he was going to get up and play, he, he, he did a speech, then he asked everybody to come up close to the stage. And so I went up there and mm -hmm. I was standing right next to Conan O'Brien. For me, this was huge because when I, when I got to college, I would, I would watch Conan every night. And if, they, if I have, you know, a Mount Rushmore, Bruce and Conan make up two-fourths. And um, after the show was over, I never, I never do this where I, I ask anyone for an autograph or a picture, but I, I asked Conan if I could have a picture. And I had one of these old cruddy flip phones that didn't take very good pictures. And yeah. this, was, this was at the point where most people in the world had an iPhone. So I'm really already very embarrassed to even ask him for it. And his wife uh, uh, takes the phone from me. He's like, yeah, no problem. And he's very, he's going to go along with it. And then because it's an old cruddy phone that nobody knows how to work, she like exits out of the camera instead of taking the picture. And I'm just so embarrassed that I'm taking up their time. I have a picture of Conan O'Brien, you know, with like kind of the, the band in the back, you know, where he's smiling. And all I ever think about when I look at that photo is like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And he's so annoyed to take this photo with me. everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me is a new friend. Uh, we find out that we have geographical roots together. So Levi, welcome to the show. Jesse, thank you very much for, uh, for having me on. Very excited to uh, talk to you after all this time. Yeah, it was nice. Um, you know, uh, Levi is one of the people that had saw um, Ken Rosen's very nice article on Backstreet at talking to me, and he said, hey, you really are looking for people to talk? And I go, I'm always looking for people to talk. So uh, we set this up, and I'm just thrilled you're here. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was definitely aware of who you were and had listened before because I've been uh, a big fan of JB and Rob's podcast. Uh, yes. So I've heard, listened to you on there, and so I was like, oh, well, I got to make sure to check it out. So um i you know i would check in every once in a while and then yeah when i saw the the article on backstreets i was like oh my god jesse jackson yes so uh was very happy to to reach out and thank you you know for having me on well that's great so uh yes love jb and rob um we we name check each other so much in each other's podcast yeah. uh so uh tell us a little about yourself um well like i was like i was just telling you uh, before we started recording, I am from uh, kind of the Lafayette, Louisiana area, Cajun country, but I was born in a little town of Jennings and grew up in a small town called Elton. And my, my dad lives near where you grew up, um, kind of outside the Lake Charles area. Uh, so I, that's, that's kind of where I was born and raised and then spent some time in Chicago. And I've lived in Los Angeles for the last 12 years. I, I'm an actor and a musician, songwriter, uh, you know, heavily influenced by Mr. Bruce Springsteen. But that's, uh, it's kind of been my deal. Uh, just got married a, a couple of months ago to, uh, 
to a lady whose first words to me were, hey, I like that Springsteen song that you guys just played. So, uh, Well, all right. That is, <laughs> that is a good way to worm. Like, yeah. okay, uh, speak more to me. Um, that, that is hilarious. I, um, I want to go back to, um, yes, um, my grandparents live in Rose. My parent grandparents lived in Rose Pine, Louisiana. I was born in Leesville. Um, yeah. So, um, yes, all that little you know, Jennings. In fact, I think my, um, I think my wife went to, uh, before she went to college, she attended Suwella Tech there in Lake Charles. And there was a lady from Jennings attending it with her doing office administration. I think we went to a wedding in Jennings that was in a very small, unair conditioned hall with a Cajun band playing and the father of the bride was having more fun than anyone else. It was oh, yeah. like, I, like I'm paying for this shindig. I am going to dance on every dance and eat every bit of food and drink every drink. And we talk about that all the time that it was a heck of a wedding. So. Okay. Yeah. Always are. It's uh, I guess Cajun weddings and Dothraki weddings that go hand. Yes. In hand and, and you know, and um, <laughs> we, you know, we moved to Dallas uh, in 84. So um, we were about in our middle 20s. And um, we we miss the culture, we miss the food, but we do not miss Louisiana itself at times. There is, it's a very red state. Um, at times, it's a very, um, as I've shared you know, before we hit record, I was just there this weekend visiting my mom. And when we went out in Publix, they have no interest in wearing a mask. They just like, <laughs> nope, don't need it. <laughs> you know, and we're just like, really? <laughs> like, really? So yes, but it is good. Um, so talk, I, I, I want to get to your growing up, but uh, talk a little bit about your no, let's I, let's start with that. Let's start with growing up. So you said you got to Chicago. How much time was in Louisiana, and then when did you go up north? So, uh, I was in Louisiana until I was 21. I went to college in okay. the town of Natchitoches, which was pretty close to Leesville. Uh, and after after Is that, that north? Yeah, in, northwest. We're northwestern north states. Okay. Okay. So Chris, my son went to Stephen F. Austin in okay. Nacogdoches, <laughs> their sister cities. People always, conf I, I gave tours for the city of Nacogdoches on these yeah. trolleys and people would come in um, and always confuse us with Nacogdoches. Yes. In fact, I had to be very careful when I was saying that because I'd say it wrong. Uh, my wife, uh, before COVID, she and her girlfriends would try to go for the Christmas lights festival and the tour yeah. of the homes and meat pies uh, was always a good girl's trip for December. Yeah, we, I haven't been able to go to the, the Christmas festival in a long, a long time, but when we were in college, we always did a, a big Christmas uh, show and it was, it was always packed like that. You know, you see in, if you ever watch Steel Magnolias, that's, yes. that's basically what it is. Uh, that Christmas mm -hmm. festival is the town's festival and people come from all over and all December, it is just packed with, uh, with people yeah. who want to see it. And it's not even a lot of lights either. Yes. It's a very small area, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And um, we, um, one year they went, there was Uber had not, um, 
wasn't a thing yet and it was impossible to get a cab, right? They were like, because they had gone drinking and so talked about it. Well, growing up um, there in uh, Jennings and uh, Elton and other small towns, what kind of music did your family listen to? It, obviously some kind because you're a musician yourself, but. Yeah, but you know, n no one else in my family is a musician. Uh, my sisters, I think, were in band when, and probably played uh, saxophone maybe when they were uh, younger, but they, they kind of gave it up going into high school. But that just missed me. I didn't learn how to play my guitar until probably like 10 years ago. But uh, yeah, growing up, we listened to a lot of classic rock in the house. Uh, my dad was really into disco and funk and was kind of a life of the party guy. And obviously Cajun music was always around, but uh, I was born in 82. And so it's, for me, like I remember my childhood being a lot of that early 90s country music as well. Yes. Uh, and there was a radio station, KSMB, so like all, all the pop hits of the day and 90s alternative. And I, I feel like it was also the era of the classic rock stars, like last grasp of um, like real worldwide recognition, like kind of that era where Billy Joel or Paul McCartney, Tom Petty, Mellencamp, all having these um, these hits, you know, like probably hitting their early 40s and having these really big hits that played on MTV and VH1 a lot um, in the early 90s. And then, you know, kind of fade out into becoming like these elder statesmen. Um, that's, what, that's what I remember a lot about. So you must have been in the era, because I'm older than you, I was born in 59, I remember talking to people, sleepovers of MTV, watching, like I can remember Don Kirshner's rock concert on Friday nights. That was as close to MTV as we had. You would have this hour and a half rotating of different musicians starting at midnight, you know, playing on Friday night there in Lake Charles. Um, I also make the joke that, you know, growing up in Lake Charles, we, you know, in Rosepine, we listened to both kinds of music, country and Western. Thank you, John Belushi. You know, so, and, and yes, definitely your share of, it was, I, I know you remember Saturday afternoons after cartoons, they switched to the live Cajun music and they would be playing. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Like there'd be a local, uh, Le Baton Roulet and, and just this, this great music that, and, and I think that is why, Jolie Blanc is on my list of songs I want to right. see Bruce yeah. perform live once. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I heard you say that on your, on your list that you made, yeah. uh, which right by the way, like, you know, I'm sure anybody listens to your podcast as soon as the first episode you guys did of that, I like got my list ready to go. Oh, good. Good. Okay. Um, but yes, I picked up on that, I guess, is when I really started to clue in yeah. like, Oh yes, you were kind of from the same area and have those roots. So when you got to high school, you know, so you're finding your own path and uh, in college, how about that? What kind of music then? If you've ever been asked the question, like, is there a song that, that changed your life? I, for me, I can say uh, seeing footage of the Sex Pistols on uh, a VH1 clip show, like they were doing Anarchy in the UK, which now as a Sex Pistols fan is not even like one of my favorite Sex Pistols songs, but... Yeah. I had never heard anything like that. I was very curious, what is this? And it just led me into The Clash, The Ramones, all of these British rock bands. Uh, a lot of the, the music that I write 
and play while there's a big, um, big Springsteen influence and some country influence, I'd say it's just as much loving the punk, new wave, post-punk, uh, all bands that come from the UK. Those are things that I, I really get into. And that's kind of where I started to discover all of that and get into that. I was also a big Blink-182 fan, somebody reminded me of today. So I usually ask this question and I will ask again, I will ask it when we get to Bruce, but can you, can you put in words what about that Sex Pistols song and that genre spoke to you? It was the, it was the power of Steve Jones's guitar, the, just the tone of it. And it's, I think people specifically with the Sex Pistols just put them in as being like a punk band, but really they were just a loud rock and roll band at kind of a medium tempo. And uh, the, the lyrics are great. The songs are great. Just, just real anger. Uh, and just, you know, a young man trying to get that, that frustration out. And I, I had also watched a documentary on them that just kind of made me buy into this, uh, this myth of the band and, and this mystique and just an, a whole era that I missed out on that I had no idea existed and, and wasn't even an American thing. So it was just something that, oh, wow, I, I want to understand what this is. But uh, it's, I think it was just the, the noise of the, the guitar, of picking up that mm -hmm. guitar and just coming out and ready to take over the world. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that, you know, it, it's influenced your own music, but you also talk about Bruce. So when did Bruce come into the equation? I, so growing, growing up, I definitely remember the album cover of Born in the USA, and I know that was in our house um, and would have recognized some of those songs. And as a kid in the early 90s, I definitely remember the videos for Human Touch and 57 Channels and Streets of Philadelphia. And Bruce Springsteen always jumped out at me as kind of this, um, I don't know, he was, he was iconic. There was just something about him where you, you recognize that this was a man with presence. Uh, but I, I have two very distinct memories of just kind of realizing that like Bruce Springsteen is just on some other level. Uh, I was in college and it was the MTV VMA Awards. He played, I think The Rising was about to come out or just come out and the, uh, he and the E Street Band were playing in front of this giant sphere in New York and uh, which I later learned was the, the, the planetarium, the sphere at the planetarium. And uh, I don't know, I just became obsessed with the song The Rising and then few years later after I'd moved to Chicago there was this radio station called XRT that played rock music uh you know 50s up until whatever that time would have been I guess about 2005 or 6 and this song came on as I'm driving up Lakeshore Drive and it just sounds like the most awesome representation of what rock and roll music is supposed to be just the joy and the release uh and the energy and it's just tell him this is his last chance his daughter in a fine romance the record company rosie just gave me a big advance and there's something that hit me and i was like oh my god this is this is it this is what people talk about with bruce springsteen like this is what this is what it means to be alive and play rock and roll music and be young and have fun and 
I don't know. From that point on, Bruce Springsteen was it was everything to me, and I became an obsessive fan. And it was right before Magic came out, so I started to become even more, um, you know, like a, a bigger fan, diving deep into things right around that time. So it would have been late 2006 going into 2007. So did you start working backwards on his catalog? I mean, how, what was your next paths? Because, you know, this is, it, uh, like for me, and, and I've shared this before, right? When 1977, I buy my first Beach Boy 8-track, you know, I, I'm blown away because as a high school kid, I loved Kiss and I loved, you know, AM radio and I'd never heard harmonies like the Beach Boys. And so I'm going to every record store trying to go, going to the Bees, like, oh, I don't have this album, you know, I don't, but you have a little bit more, you know, when you find Bruce. So what, what was your path to explore more of his music? I wish I wish it were that scientific. I'm pretty sure I just illegally downloaded a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs off of LimeWire. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I understand. Yes. Uh, and then just started to kind of piece them together from there. Um, I remember we had this place that I worked in Chicago. We had Sirius XM and they, the song Prove It All Night came on. Okay. And uh, I just remember hearing that and being like, my God, that's Bruce Springsteen too. And so I obsessed over that song for a little while. And that probably led me into darkness. And I think my dad had just gotten me uh, the Hammersmith Odeon concert okay. that they had just released on like a double CD. So I right. started to piece everything together from there as well. And then, and then that's when Magic came out. So I, I feel like I started off with, old man Springsteen or like going into, right. and that's for me, that's my favorite. I, I like the elder statesman of rock, uh, that guy. You know, I, that's funny because um, I have the same, the, I certainly, and I, you know, repeating myself, right. But I certainly remember I, I bought the river and I remember hungry heart on the radio and born in the USA and tunnel of love. But my true, true obsession was 2002 the rising 2001 the rising cd and seeing him in concert for the first time took me from you know a passionate fan to a obsessed fan and you know so um i do not have a sentiment and attachment to like they talk about 78 concerts and oh this was the greatness the darkness era and then i'm just loving because you know i love magic i love wrecking ball you know i you know these you know like uh, i'm you know i want prove it all night 78 intro no i want girls in their summer clothes you know yeah, right like yeah. and, and, and just because and I think you just said it perfectly, you know, the, the Statesman Springsteen was my Springsteen and it's where I go through. And even though I love them all, there, there is a sense of affection toward these albums because they were there and it was great. That's interesting. Do you, and I'm, this may be, you haven't thought about this, but what, what are the things that are in common or what balances your love of the Sex Pistols, the Ramones, this, this punk energy music and Bruce Springsteen, you know, the, I know he loved the clash and I know like London calling, he did that. And I'm sure you were like, yes. Yeah. But have you thought about that? What's that connection for you? 
I think Bruce kind of writes the same way now that, you know, after I learned how to play guitar and wanted to learn all, all of these songs, the chord progressions are, are very similar with, uh, I guess, that, that style where Bruce yeah. has a lot of three chords, four chords in the truth uh, yes. type of thing to his music. And there's, you know, it's funny with the, the, the Rip Van Springsteen thing that you yeah. did like a while back or a little while ago. I went through and I was like, well, if I was going to do this for somebody and I kind of broke it down into all these categories of what I think Bruce Springsteen represents. And a lot of that goes into the punk rock is, you know, the the three chords in the truth, having fun, social justice, warrior. Um, There's energy. I think that's, that's what Bruce Bruce Springsteen just has uh, an energy about him. That is when you put it all out there, it's, it's rock and roll. It's, it's making rock and roll music which i think a lot of the punk rock music that i get into that's that's what it is it's like you want to you want a good beat you can also say something within there and have some power with it too mm-hmm. um, for me that's what it is and th- there's just i there's something very powerful about bruce springsteen <laughs> just yeah there is i always like to preface this question and, and as you you've obviously you've listened to the show right the number of times you've seen Bruce live it's not a fair barometer of your fandom right. you grew up in southwest louisiana or southwest louisiana the thought of you know cuz you know they don't, play, Bruce, they, don't, they don't play they don't play that Bruce, Bruce. Bruce they don't yeah. play new orleans they don't you don't go i mean you you get willie nelson maybe you, you yeah. know uh so and the thought of driving to houston to see a show just was like never thought of it so um for the records though have you seen him live and if so how many times yes i in total so i think three regular concerts one kind of special unique situation for the um the music cares person of the year oh you were there i was there yeah it's yeah uh, um, oh i I had got to hear a story from that sure yeah um I, I was working as an Acura spokesperson. Okay. Uh, so like I would go to car shows and it was like one of my kind of fill in actor jobs. And they, Acura was, was a sponsor of the mm-hmm. Music Cares. And they asked me like, hey, would you like to do this? And I, I saw that it was gonna be honoring Bruce Springsteen. I was like, oh my God, yes. And so I tried not to freak out so that they wouldn't hire me. Yeah. Uh, but they, they put me in there. I remember Gary Talent coming by, like while there was this, I, I heard Bruce sound checking uh, before, like in the room, right, right next door. It's like, oh my yeah. god, like, like he's gonna play later tonight too. Uh, and they had all this Springsteen memorabilia and artwork. And I, I remember Gary Talent coming by and just like, oh hey, like, you know, Mr. Talent, like uh, shook his hand. But when it was time for the the show and the ceremony, I just went out there and got to see the the entire thing. And I found. I found a little table off to the side where Kathy Griffin and Adam Lambert were sitting. And I was just like, I'm just going to sit down here. I'm just going to pull up a chair. I've got a, I've got a suit on with like a dark tie. It looks like I belong and I'm some music executive. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'm just going to act like I belong. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a, it was a really cool event. John Stewart was there and said, and, uh, said some stuff. Bruce got up and gave a, a, a great speech. I, I, there was this one line he gave that I remember where he talked, he talked about, like we as musicians, we we burn everything down in our lives and then skip down the street, prancing yes. along merrily. Something to that effect. I and, remember saying like, and we are bad with our money. You yes, know, like like yeah. this is like we are bad with our money. And 
you know, one of the things I've loved about him when he did that, and then when he was like in Austin for South Southwest, right? He talked about the, and he does this a lot, the, the, the importance yet the unimportance of rock and roll. Like he talks a lot about this is the most serious thing you do. And at the same time, it isn't, it isn't worth anything, you know? And I love that he can balance both sides of that when he's talking about it. And you know, yeah. in his mind, he does that. Yeah. Um, but when it got to the point where he was going to get up and play, yeah, he, he, he did a speech, then he asked everybody to come up close to the stage. And so I went up there and mm -hmm. I was standing right next to Conan O'Brien. Okay. And for me, this was huge because um, when, I, when I got to college, I would, I would watch Conan every night. And if, they, if I have, you know, a Mount Rushmore, Bruce and Conan make up two fourths there you of got that it. Yes. for me. And um, after the show was over, I never, I never do this where I, I ask anyone for an autograph or a picture, but I, I asked Conan if I could have a picture. And I had one of these old cruddy flip phones that didn't mm -hmm. take very good pictures. And yeah. this, was, this was at the point where most people in the world had an iPhone. Yeah. And um, so I'm really already very embarrassed to even ask him for it. And his wife uh, uh, takes the phone from me. He's like, yep, yeah, no problem. And he's very, he's going to go along with it. And then because it's an old cruddy phone that nobody knows how to work. She like exits out of the camera instead of taking the picture. And I'm just so embarrassed that I'm taking up their time. So yeah, I have a picture of Conan O'Brien, you know, with like kind of the, the band in the back, you know, where he's smiling. And all I ever think about when I look at that photo is like, Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And he's so annoyed to take this photo with me. They of course have never given it another thought in their lives. Right. That's a great but, story uh, though. Yeah. Um, so there was that. And then I, I saw the, uh, the Broadway show, uh, mm. got to a friend of mine. I, I didn't win the tickets. A friend of mine won them and he ended up not being able to go. So we had already booked the tickets to go to New York. Yeah. And, uh, my, my girlfriend at, you know, at the time who's from New York and was going to be there anyway for work. Uh, she, she loves Bruce. And so we got to go together and it was a really, it was a really special night. I remember like just sobbing for the first 30 minutes straight. It was such yeah. an emotional thing. Yeah. I, um, I right there with you. I did not expect to get to go. And then when I did, I, you know, I just could not believe it. And, um, and I've talked about this before, right? It, you don't realize how funny it is to i mean now then everyone can see it on netflix and they could see but at the time you you weren't expecting it to be funny as well as touching and it's yeah. just yeah it is um a beautiful way um you you mentioned you're an actor and a musician so talk a little bit how did your journey bring you to california and like i mean you're you're going to school and you know um i guess north west um right louisiana and so what yeah, north, northwest yeah the chicago uh, how do you get to la and you know join the arts as a career i you know i so when i was in high school i i had the the drama bug but as you know being in the south and from louisiana uh even though i was into all the nerdy things i also was a jock and played sports so yeah. instead of doing drama after school uh, I was playing football and, um, but for some reason, uh, 
I, I still had it in, in me to where like I knew I wanted to act or be on stage or do something. So I would do the school plays in this kind of the spring term of, of the high school year. And when it was time for me to figure out what to do next with going to college, I, st I still don't even remember how it happened, but I talked to my guidance counselor about it. And he said, well, there's a, a college, Northwestern State, where you can audition to get into their, their drama program. And he arranged an audition and I went up there not really knowing anything you know, looking back on it, not knowing what I was doing, but uh, they took pity on me and said, yeah, I guess we need more guys in our theater department. And they <laughs> gave me a scholarship. Uh, and what just one of the, the best things, best things to ever happen to me. Uh, but then when that time was up, I, I still didn't really know what I was going to do. I knew that, you, you know, you moved to Los Angeles or you moved to New York, but I, I auditioned for a graduate school in California and got into it, but I, I was dating someone who was going to go to Chicago for the summer. And I thought, oh, well, you know, that this will be kind of our last hurrah and I'll go up there with you. And I just remember the first morning walking outside the uh, apartment that we'd rented for the summer. It was so beautiful right on the lake and you saw the skyline. I thought, I'm, I'm never leaving. I'm going to stay here. And I... I think after about a year, I had, um, you know, kind of figured out how to audition and where to go. And I got into this acting program at a theater there called the Steppenwolf Theater. And I met uh, that summer, tw 12 other people that we would form a theater company together with called the Sinnerman Ensemble, named after the Nina Simone song. And we started doing shows. And after a few years, I just got it in my head that I was ready, I was just ready for, for something else and uh, just ended up kind of feels like a whim sometimes when I try to piece it all together, moved to Los Angeles and you know, 12 years have gone by, some of the years are a blur, uh, but it, it worked out, I know it worked out the way that it was supposed to, but in that time, I went from always you know, obsessing over music and wanting to learn how to play music to finally learning how to play the guitar and write songs and uh eventually just had some friends we started to put put a band together and i think it's probably been about seven years since we started playing music together and we've released some things and it's been the whole ups and downs of uh being an independent musician no no real glory to speak of but things i'm, I'm very proud of and keep plugging away at it this uh you know, the past seven or eight months have been pretty difficult because everything feels like it's come to a, a standstill. But uh, keep keep hammering away. And if there's one thing that I think the that the pandemic has reinforced in me uh, is that I still feel that this is what I was meant to do, like to be an entertainer, to be a storyteller in in some way and to write this stuff and perform and uh luckily i have a, a wife now that is extremely supportive of that as well so she keeps pushing me to go on these things and i'm working on a, a show right now it's a, like a live immersive theater show one of probably like the only things that are open in the city uh where people can actually get out and, and come to and stay safe while we we get to perform um, but you know, still writing, still writing music, and hope to continue releasing things. And who knows where that will lead me? But uh, still plugging away. So I, I always think it's interesting, Levi, and I've shared this story before. Um, 
I got to be friends with um, a singer songwriter from Austin named Sarah Hickman. And, you know, Sarah was signed by Electra and then, you know, was dropped and she's done a dozen albums, all independent, you know, and different things. And, um, but she, you know, when she tells a story, she can't remember not writing songs. Like from the moment she could, you know, had a thought in her head, she was writing songs and, and, and just grew up that. And as she learned the guitar and worked on her music and worked on her um, ability, um, you came to it late. Why do you think, why do you think it came to you late? And, and what was finally the push that made you um, leap into that, you know, creative endeavor? Uh, it, it came to me late because I was lazy. Okay. <laughs> wouldn't you know move forward with actually doing the work of learning the instrument yes um, my i when i was nine i think my parents got me a little electric piano but then just assumed i was going to teach myself right so i never had lessons i didn't learn uh but when i when i moved to los angeles uh, i was in a play with some irish musicians who held a jam session uh every every week and so I would go down this little bar patio, this, this Irish pub in Santa Monica, and I'd sit in the back and I would learn the guitar chords and learn how to play those songs. And uh, this, this really wonderful man named John McKenna, who was a great, great actor and really great musician, uh, he, would, he would humor me and let me ruin the Irish jam session by letting me play a rock and roll song or some country song that I had learned, uh, much to the uh, chagrin of everyone else. <laughs> there uh, but that's uh that's that's pretty much why i learned is is because i was in this show with other people who were doing it and i finally said okay i want to learn how to do this and around this time i think it's like the website ultimateguitar.com was available so you could look up guitar chords see where your fingers went you know very easily and i could learn to play like oh okay this is your fingers go here this is where it moves during the song and I think one of the first songs I learned, I think it was Dancing in the Dark, uh, just you know, something I could strum okay. along to. So how did your songwriting gene happen then? So I can, I can understand, you know, okay, I've, I've not been putting the work in, I, enough stalling I'm gonna do and you focus on that. But how do you, how do you find that inner muse? Honestly, Jesse, I, my, my brain sometimes just thinks in melody and comes okay. out in a sing-songy way. And so I just get this idea and just start to write lyrics down to it. Or if I just pick up a journal in the morning and start writing something, by the time I get to the end of the line, like I'm humming a melody to go, to go with it. And uh, it's just, just the way my mind kind of works. Did you have that before you started learning a guitar? Or I did, yes. I, so I had, yeah, I had notebooks that I've held on to from like when I lived in Chicago before I knew how to play. Okay. That I had the whole idea for the song and wrote it down in sections. And, you know, five years later, I could go back and look at them and be like, oh, yeah, I remember exactly how that song's supposed to go. And now I know how to make the A chord into the E or something. That's like that. interesting. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's, that's very cool. Um, so um, I'll ask you again at the end, but if someone wants to check out your music, where's the best way to go find it? 
Uh, I'm on Spotify. If, uh, if people just want to look me up, it's Levi, L-E-V-I, last name Petrie, P-E-T-R-E-E. Um, also, the website is levipetrie.com. And uh, if anybody wants to follow along on Instagram, it's L-P and the R-P. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, okay, yes, absolutely. So I, you, you mentioned... Bruce is an influence as well as the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. Um, and, you know, it's always hard, right? Like you, you ask Stephen King, where do you get your ideas, right? Like he says, you know, they're, it's they're in for my heart of a little boy that I keep under my bed or something. So when you mention it's an influence, is it the, is it the storytelling? Is it the lyrics? Is it the music? Or it's just a mood that he presents i i think it's what's so great about bruce Springsteen is it's it's different kind of facets of his personality where i when i picture bruce springsteen i also kind of think of him and equate him to sam shepherd in a way just like this mythic western american persona and uh i feel like i have learned through listening to bruce springsteen's music and reading about him and like the thought that he puts into being an artist and being a songwriter and the messaging that he wants to put out there i feel very shaped over the course of the last you know 15 17 years of my life i'm like oh what type of man would i like to grow into learning about responsibility and love and relationships um, maturing into uh, an adult, you know, growing out of the adolescence. He's he's been very clear. I, I've been impressed by that. Um, when I heard there was going to be an autobiography, you know, I, I was curious how much he would share. Um, I say this with great love in my heart. Sometimes Bruce is not a very good interview. I, you know, I wanted, I, I put a note down there. I wanted to bring that up with you. I heard you yeah. say that. And I was like, yes, I know exactly, exactly what you mean. So I'm, I'm glad that you, yeah. you know, you think that. Um, and I think it's because sometimes he's self-conscious talking about himself, but in the book, he was very open about his, his, his challenges, his the depression, but also very open about his successes. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like he was humble and uh, we have a, it's the sports station here in Dallas. Um, they make fun of Garth Brooks because they say Garth Brooks is fake humble. Like, oh, oh, I can't believe y'all are applauding me. You know, and I'm like, okay, I think you guys are being a little unfair to Garth Brooks, but I get what you mean, right? Um, and Bruce does seem very confident. And and then when he talked about in Broadway and then in Western Stars, even more. So. I, I can see how, because he's telling you his journey as a man. Um, as an actor and as a musician, what did you think of Western Stars? Because I think that is a very visual album. I love Western Stars. Like I, uh, there, there are a lot of things to unpack there. Uh, okay. Number one, he, he cited Glenn Campbell, like those, and those Jimmy Webb yes. songs as, as a big influence. Well, I love that. Like uh, somebody, I read like a YouTube comment, like, you know, Bruce was making uh, music for my grandparents. Well, that's fine with me because my grandparents had a big hand in like the music that I listened to. And so I 
I love it. Exactly, Levi. I've shared many times. My my mom loved Glenn Campbell. We used to watch the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yes. You know, I mean, like yes. that is yes. It is like um, that's my jam. You know, as they say, I yeah. love that. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, I have just a very very vivid memory of writing with my my grandpa, listening to Glenn Campbell's greatest hits and Gentle on My Mind and Galveston and. Just actually like making him sick of it, how much I just wanted to keep listening to it because I, I picked up on it and loved it so much. So there's, there's that aspect of it. Um, I mean, the songs are great. It, sometimes it kind of breaks my heart where people are so, um, you know, hold on to so much of his, like Springsteen's early catalog, which, you know, one of the greatest catalogs in the history yes. of music. But not... That, that something like Western Stars is never going to get the love that those early things have because it is great. Yes. It's so great. And I feel bad for people that don't get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I've, I've taught you, and you have probably heard of this. I, you know, I, I feel the uh, Graham Yost, you know, the, the guy who wrote Justified, you know, the, mm-hmm. the series about, you know, Louis L'Amour, Zan Gray. There is this, it feels like Nebraska, a collection of short stories. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and it just, it, this, all these characters in the West and, and, you know, dealing with age and, you know, and their foibles. It's a, it's a beautiful album and um, a surprising album. And, um, and, and so the only thing that, surpasses it in at least in my mind is as crappy as 2020 is you hear oh we may get a new bruce album oh Oh, and it may be an e street album oh wait and then you get it and you're like holy moly like he's you know he's 70 when he's doing this and he's still got a fastball to mix our metaphors right uh, yeah, I uh, I was just listening to it before we hopped, hopped on the phone here. Um, yeah. There are, the thing, one of the themes that I love about the, the latest album, Letter to You, is it's it's also about like bands and music. And so it's it's made me think a lot about just in my very short time, just the, the people that I've played music with and what a special bond that that is. Um, so like last man standing i think has probably been one of my favorite songs from the from the album how do you, i love rainmaker i said so somebody the other day brought that up i was like yes that's a that's a great song uh I, what do you what do you think of the song house of a thousand guitars so i like it um i i think i've made the joke someone on twitter said um his wife said don't get any ideas um <laughs> and i love that joke um my be- you know sam who i talk a lot on the podcast said it he needed to um, edit saying house of a thousand cars a couple of times that I would like the song more <laughs> is what Sam thoughts. Um, I think it's good. Um, Power prayer for some reason really speaks to me. And I don't know why, because I cannot figure out what, if I was a priest means, I don't know the story, but I've said, right, it's what Outlaw Pete should have been. And and I love that album. And I love that song, If I Was a Priest. And I, and I don't even know why I think that about Outlaw Pete, but there's that connection to me. I guess they're in that Western and Catholicism mix, you know? 
Are you, are you saying you hate the song Outlaw Pete? Because that is my song that I absolutely hate. Um, so it is, it is, it is not a song I adore. Yeah. I, yes. I, it is one. Um, um, now I will share and I do not know why. Um, I bought the children's book because, Hey, I'm yeah. a whore. Yeah. And, um, and after reading the book, I like the song more. After I pre- reading the I, book, I did, but I still don't love I can it. See that, yeah, yeah. But I just liked it a little bit more because I guess I kind of got more of the story. Yeah, you're so, more yeah. you're more invested in it now. And, yes. Um, and I bet if I would go back and listen to it, uh, I would, you know, maybe maybe I would give it another another chance. Um, <laughs> but I yes, if, if I were if I was the priest, it reminded me of the the band when like yeah. when, when I listened to it. And then House of a Thousand Guitars, I, that was one, the first time my buddy Ryan and I, we went on a drive, like the, you know, as soon as it came out, we just went for a drive and listened to the whole album. And it was like, I don't know about this one. Like, I really like the, the melody of it, but I don't know if like lyrically, like it, that it, it reaches up to what he's trying to do. But then I just listened to it so much. It's just haunted me for some reason that uh, I've come around to feeling like if the song is supposed to be about whatever is next in life or the afterlife or something that that's where we're all going to meet. Like, okay, I can get behind the cheesiness of some of these. Okay. There you go. And and it it really works for me. Um, But but yeah, I've listened to that album a lot. Yes, I have too. And it, um, it is, um, it, it has been such a surprise in doing, um, you know, uh, you've kind of shared already, but do you do you have other stories from shows that you want to share? Sure. Um, you know, I the the first one was in in Chicago, like on the Magic Tour. The, the the record had just come out, and I bought four tickets off of eBay. So okay. on the way there, we were pretty sure that they were counterfeit tickets, and we were never going to get in because they were general admission. Like it came out to fifty bucks a piece. And I guess that's what most other people on eBay must have thought that they were a scam tickets and that's why nobody bid on them. So when we got there and they scanned the tickets in, we got in and we're like, oh my God, this is great. And then we got in the lottery to be right at the front or like, like a row or two yeah. towards the front. And oh, it was, it was just so cool. I remember he, you can find it on YouTube. But um, I'd been following the set list and knew that, you know, he was pretty much going from Thundercrack into Girls in Their Summer Clothes for the encore. But then he, he came out and started, started, he saw this young kid in the front and said, you know, a lot of young people in the audience. So why don't we play some of my young man's music? And they played Thunder Road for like the first time. And I guess since early in the, the Rising tour. And uh, so that's just a special memory I have of being there with my, you know, three of my best friends at the time in Chicago. And then... I remember when Wrecking Ball came out, because I'm such a, such a big fan, people can probably be like, like you're too hard on the, on the artist that you love and uh, you, like you, you're skeptical for some reason. So I didn't warm up to Wrecking Ball right away. Like I didn't just buy it, you know, sight unseen or uh, sound unheard. But I went to Jazz Fest in New Orleans where he was playing and I bought tickets for a bunch of other family members and I just remember getting there early so I could be as close as possible. And those songs on Wrecking Ball just kind of came to life for me. And I had to get it right away as soon as it was done. Um, like, I just, that's, I got it. Like, everything just kind of yeah. for me. Um, so, yeah, that's been, that, 
that's probably the like the, the best stories, I guess. I did buy scam tickets to one here in Orange that was in Orange County. But oh no. I, I met some I met some pit guys who came up or I guess who had like been following they were friends of the pit crew and so for like an extra extra money they gave us wristbands and so we got in about six songs into the concert so okay that was, we still that got was something yeah. that's good um very cool uh how about when he tours again knock on wood are there songs you would chase that you would love to hear live that you haven't and we could say all of Western stars and all of letter to you. Right. Yeah, but, I would, I would love to hear the East street band do Western Western yes, stars. Yes. I would have. I think that'd be really cool. Um, yeah. I've also really gotten into, I've gotten into those early nineties albums too yes. lately. Uh, Lucky town and human touch. There's some really good songs on there. there and are. I, if you, there's if you go on youtube i think you can watch like the whole 20 song concert of the 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 mtv plugged and man he just he rips he is like jersey guitar hero legend in that era and it'd be kind of cool just it would be awesome to see what he did with the e street band like with those songs as well but it's those are some really good songs especially the ones on on lucky town Um, well you think about it you know, Atlantic City was on Nebraska, and it somehow has developed into, you know, an E Street Band song now. You know, the mm-hmm. E Street Band yeah. does it well. Um, and I would love to hear, in fact, you know, I loved Little Steven's version of Tucson Train. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and so he, you know, they did a great version of that. And then just, I guess, a few months ago, they, they did uh, a video where they took all these old Westerns, right? And they, they, push them together and uh i don't know if you've not if you've not seen that no, yet. I haven't seen that. yeah if you if you google there is a video of um little steven and the disciples of soul doing tucson train and it is with you know shots from all these old westerns is the whole thing so it's really good so you should check that out I, I will. I'll do it probably once we end. Good. All right. So, <laughs> except for those, what are what are some other songs you might want to hear? I I wish I'd have been. I wish I'd have gone to a, a 2016 River show and uh, just been able to be in the crowd when he comes out and goes, you know, one, two, three, four, one, yeah. two, three, and goes to meet me in the city tonight. I, I that song has so much energy. Uh, yes. I love it. Um, I this hard land is my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. And I would, I would love to hear that. Uh, Why is that your favorite? It's one that like, you know, my, my dad had the greatest hit CD and I never listened to it. I, for whatever reason, never listened to that song until they made the music video of it that they released where he plays it acoustic. And so I just, I got the whole message and I thought it was, was so beautiful. And I know that it's one that Bruce loves himself as yeah. well. And so whether in that acoustic form or the greatest hits or tracks version, it just, it's something that just, just hits me right, uh-huh. right in the heart. And it did, you know, that last verse makes me cry sometimes. Um, what others? Badlands is my 
my favorite, I think, you know, I, I, I have an alarm set to the New York version, such so as Bruce Springsteen going, what do and <laughs> time, time to get up in the morning. How fun. Uh, yeah. What else like have I not? I guess the ones that I, I've never heard Rosalita live. And like, that was kind of one of the ones that, yeah. go, oh, this is what, you know, this is what people sure. talk about. Um, I, I kind of love going to a, a Bruce show and not knowing what's coming. Yes, that is so, kind of fun. So, what yeah. was the song your band played that your uh, your lovely bride came and said, "Hey, I like that song." Oh, we played. We were playing. I'm going down. Okay. We, we would cover that one, uh, and she, uh, she told me that when she was in college, they used to get ready like to to that song, like to go out for the night. Oh, how fun! Uh, yeah. So that was, so in, in, you know, a, a Springsteen song that changed your life. Like I wrote that down for the list. I'm like, well, I'm sure probably nobody else would have that down, but that's one that literally changed my life. So what I'm going to do is um, after we finish the episode, let's pull up our calendars and let's book you and we'll do okay. some of the songs of your life as a separate episode. So, yeah, all right, that's good. Um, all right. What have I before I get to the Mary question, what have I not asked you that I should have? You know what I wanted to, so I, this has been exciting for me because I wanted to ask you questions. Okay, uh, go for it. So having, you know, kind of grown up in the same place, I, I know that you're, you were kind of in a different Springsteen era while you were in Louisiana, but yeah. in my era, I felt like they don't really play a lot of Bruce Springsteen music. He wasn't on our local radio stations a lot. No, uh, you know, I for me he was on MTV a good right. bit, but so I know that people from our area don't have a lot of the love for Bruce Springsteen because he was not a big artist that they pushed on you That's down right. there. And I just kind of wonder what that was like for you, like well, your your discovery. I may have told the story before, uh, and if not, I mean it's worth. Um, I remember going to the. Um, barber shop in Moss Bluff, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And um, this is, I guess, 76, 77, so, you know, 75, I guess. Um, and this is embarrassing. I don't know the date because it's obvious. Um, either Time or Newsweek were at the barber shop with him as the cover. So that's the time frame. And it's whichever one that says Rock's Biggest Star. Okay. And I see this and I go, who's this guy? Have they never heard of Elton John? Have they never heard of Barry Manilow? Have they never heard? I mean, this guy, I don't even know who this guy is. Um, that's how out of, you know, it was out of. Um, I've often wondered if, if Bruce ever charted early enough that in the 70s, Casey Kasem an American top 40 would have had a Bruce Springsteen story, you know, and I've, I, I think I've tried to Google it and that's too specific. It doesn't come up to. So there was no thought about him and it wasn't till 1980. Um, my, and I know I've told the story, my, my wife's, one of my wife's best friends, a lady named Lisa Mesh and Lisa Mesh had went to New Orleans, got her degree and then went up to, uh, the Northeast to go to school for college. And um, she came back talking about this guy named Bruce Springsteen. 
and how wonderful he was. And she had, you know, and none of us had ever heard of him. Um, I didn't connect this, you know, barbershop that I did, you know, as a sophomore or junior. And uh, I remember buying the river, you know, and then Hungry Heart started to be on the radio. But no, this was no idea. And I stand, Levi, I, I know it's impractical to think that a 16-year-old Jesse, but even an 18-year-old Jesse, because I turned 18 in 77, you know, I, 78, he's in Houston, right? Like he hasn't gotten big yet. He's playing small clubs in Houston. And back then the drinking age was 18. So I could have gone to a club, but the, I, I mean, my parents would have looked at me like, what are you doing? What do you mean you're driving three hours to go to a show? But I, I often think about if, if time travel was possible, yeah. that would be cool to go back and to drive to Houston and see them at that time in these small clubs at Houston, just, and, you know, um, and kind of, uh, Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Um, you know, and just, you know, um, are, are you going down lately or, you know, throwing song <laughs> lyrics or something? So, yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. And then, you know, one other random thing that to, on, not related to Bruce, but, uh, I've heard you say his name a couple of times. Are you, uh, you've referenced the comedian and magician, Matt Donnelly. Yes. Are you, are you a scoop as well? Like, do you, yes, I am. So my, one of my best friends from college who also went to Northwestern State is, is audio guy, Jacob. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I'd heard you say that a couple of times. I was like, oh, I bet, I bet you might do it. You know, Matt was on the show once. Really? Yeah. I, I will have to send you a link. It was, it's, it was early, early in the show. Um, he called me on the way home uh, because at the time, um, Ice Cream Social was nominated for like this award and so was set lusting bruce we were both i was for music and he was on comedy and i and i i promoted like when i every time i promoted hey go here and vote for set lusting bruce i said and always under comedy right for ice cream social and a couple of times matt and them said the same thing so yeah i'm a huge p1 of of Penn Sunday School, and I listen to Matt's Abracadabra, and yeah, just they're, I, I think they're amazing. They're just so much fun, and he's, um, he's been nice enough. I've seen him um, twice, um, and when once when he was opening for Piff, and he, 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 he pretended he recognized me, or at least when I spoke to him, my name was, he goes, oh yeah, Jesse from the Bruce podcast. So he talked about being on again. So I would love to have him on again. Yeah. Great guy. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't know if there's any, anything else uh, okay. jumping out at, at me. All right. Um, well, yeah. think of something later. Like I said, we're going to, we're going to schedule another time where you can do your songs of your life. Cause I'd love to do that, but I can't let you go to you have me the merry question. So okay. All right. for those of you who may not be aware, uh, Jay Armstrong, um, honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. Every, um, year he takes two days and his seniors, they break apart Thunder Road as, as a poem. They look at the imagery in the lyrics. They talk about the themes of the song. And at the end of the two days, he asks this class, does Mary get in the car? So, Levi, your question is, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Absolutely, she does. 
absolutely. It's uh, that's that is a time and an age where the promise is still real and the the adventure of, of what's before you, um, you know, I feel like you, you can't pass up, <laughs> you know, hopefully Mary trusts the narrator, uh, but it's, uh, yes, in, in my mind, I, and I know other people have said this where like, you know, the rest of the album yes. kind of backs it up, but that's what the whole, you know, the night's one magical summer evening. And that's what the night is or the album's about. But just in the song, I feel like every everything is building to take my hand, like open the door. Let's let's just bust through these roads. Like we've got it. Uh, so for for me, it's it's uh, it's, it's absolutely. <laughs> All right, there you go. That is a good answer. Uh, this has been a blast. I hope you've had fun. Oh, I've had a great time. Great, great time. Um, so, um, is there? Okay, so once again, tell us where we can find your music. And you, uh, I take it you're doing mostly of your before COVID acting was local. Or is there yeah. anything we could see? Yeah, no, I mean, not you'd really have to search. So mu music is probably the best, okay. the best place to, to look okay. for anything. But uh, yeah, if you look, look me up on uh, Spotify or YouTube under my name, it's Levi okay. Petrie. And uh, if you want to follow along on Instagram, LP and the RP. And uh, yeah, that's kind of, you can find most things from there. Okay, very good. All right. Uh, well, please take care. Um, please stay well, safe. Um, it is a crazy time. Continue uh, success, and uh, we will talk again. Uh, but for now, listeners, you be safe. Uh, please remember to social distance, wash your hands. As Bruce says, wear an effing mask, and we will talk to you soon. So goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash... And right now, who does? You can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking. Hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, that listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme 
for Settler Sig Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.